was an action week. Actually, the last two weeks, if you've been here, have been action weeks. Uh, Lori punched us, I mean, Lori preached a, a message two uh, weeks ago, a powerful message about discipleship, and many responded to the call either to be discipled or to disciple. I'm going to keep urging you to act on that. Some of you have sent me an email um, saying I want to be discipled or I'm, I'm willing to disciple and, uh, and uh, Barry and I are putting together people just to begin to connect the dots. Take action where the Lord has spoken. If, if, if you stood up that Sunday morning and said, I'm going to do something, you know, that was a now word. Do it. Last week was a now week. It was an action week. If you remember, I put the learning circle up here. So it, I've never had so many pictures taken during a message as I did last week. And I have a feeling they weren't of me. Because the tool of the learning circle, the Kairos moment, the, the invitation to repent and believe and take action, was, it was palpable. You could feel it. And I heard stories this week of people taking action. So I remind you, if God's spoken to you, if you're in a Kairos moment, you know, uh, milk it for all it's worth. Step into it. Take action. So the last part of that learning circle, if you remember, was act. Now, we're not switching gears this, uh, this Sunday, but we are changing seasons. And we are entering in this morning to the season of Advent. The season of Advent is, scripturally and throughout uh, the centuries, a season of waiting, a season of hope. And so this morning, for the next 25 minutes or so, I'm going to dance around the Bible and dance through history a little bit and and give you some readings and some quotes. Uh, not necessarily a note-taker's delight this morning, but, he, but here's what I want you to, to uh, believe with me. God's going to speak to you this morning. God's going to speak to you this morning. Get a pen out. Get your phone out if you need to take a note. Don't uh, work hard to hear God's voice this morning. The, the privilege of hearing the voice of God, it's, it's our birthright. It's not something we have to strain towards. God loves you and he wants to speak to you. So you can take some notes, but maybe just listen. God will grab your attention this morning with something that comes out of my mouth or out of the scripture or just settles in your spirit, a thought. And I want you to be aware of it. Advent is all about paying attention to what God's doing in your life. Paying attention to what God's doing in your life. Maybe you're, you're moving towards discipleship. Maybe you're in a Kairos moment, but maybe you're in a time of waiting or one aspect of your life is just waiting. I urge you this morning, pay attention to what God is doing. Something is happening. It's not just in the world. It's not just in the church. It's in your life. Something is happening. Pay attention. Let me start with this. If you know Jesus, you have hope. Why don't we say that together? If you know Jesus, you have hope. Let's make it personal. If I know Jesus, I have hope. The scripture from Romans 8, the Bradbury's read it beautifully this morning. Can we have the scripture from Romans 8? For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. It's us. There, there's more to us than meets the eye right now. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse back in Genesis 1 and 2. But with eager hope, just say eager hope. Eager hope. But with eager hope, 
The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Amen for new bodies. Yes. We were given this hope when we were saved. I'd just like to indicate it's a past tense. It's a done deal. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. What Paul is saying is that we already have hope. We don't have to hope for hope. We have to hope for what hope points to. That's the eternal redemption complete of our bodies, our souls. Jesus comes back, makes everything awesome, right? But we don't have to hope for hope. We have hope. That means you may not feel hope, but if you're a believer in Jesus, if the eternal God has taken residence in you upon your profession of faith, the spirit is within you, you have hope. It was given to you. We don't have the full reality, and so we have to wait patiently and confidently. But you have hope. Romans 8, to 25. Same passage in the message paraphrase. So just get the imagery here that Eugene Peterson helps to give us in his uh, paraphrase. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. Do you get the picture? We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. I mean, the image is absolutely an Advent image. It's Mary. You know, the, the, the angel comes down to Mary and says, boy, have I got some news for you. you you're, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be with child. And you will give birth to the Son of God. And what does Mary say? Oh, yeah, I knew that was coming. Mary says, what? I mean, the scripture basically says, Mary says, whatever. Whatever you want. I'm the Lord's handmaid. Let it be unto me as you have said. Because Mary doesn't know what's going to happen. She's given this hope. Literally, hope is, is deposited in her body. And then what happens for the next nine months of Mary's life? She gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Can you just imagine for a moment, like take out the mystical pictures of Mary and just imagine Mary as a 13 or a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. Hi. (laughs) Just imagine her just waking up and one day she feels kind of sick to her stomach. She's like, what is going on? One day she wakes up and she's got a strange urge for, I don't know, goat cheese ice cream or something. What's going on? She's like living in between this. There's this deposit of hope. And each day the reality gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what are people saying to Mary on the outside? Like, what is up with you? Right? It is not clear to Mary exactly what's going on in her waiting. We can't always see what God is doing in us in our waiting times. 
We can't always see it. It's not always visible. You know, there's a part of hope that is just simply, I believe that I believe that what God has said is true. What God said will be, will be. And, you know, it, I, it, it's happening. Something's happening. That doesn't mean we always know what it is. But we look towards that birth of God's promise with joyful expectancy. And that's the image that Paul's giving here. He's giving this image of hope has been deposited. It was given to you at salvation. You will never lose hope. You can live in hope or not, but it's deposited within you. And what it will be in the end, we just don't know yet, right? I mean, there's a, there's a faith that comes from the people of God who are willing to say, I know God said it. I know he's going to do it. I just don't know exactly what it will look like. I mean, even with ultrasound technology, right? We can get pictures of the baby, but, when the, but you know, we still, just when the baby comes and we look and we're like, it's like a person. <laughs> you know, we, um, there are four generations of gooders floating around the world these days. And um, so we got to see little Oliver, 10 months old, these last couple of days. 20 people in the room. All sorts of drama happening in everyone's life. But all Oliver has to do is go boo and everyone's right on him, right? Because there's this fascination with, you know, Oliver was just a hope. Last year, Thanksgiving, Oliver was just a hope. Oh, he was real, right? We just didn't know what he was going to look like. We didn't know how cute he was going to be. And it's like that with believers. Some of us are in seasons in our lives or in a place within our lives where it's just, it's just hope. God, something is happening. But I, I know it's there, but I don't know what it's going to look like. How many moms know you can't force childbirth? You also can't stop it. You can't stop it, right? There's always the talk about the women who get to the transition period of pregnancy and they say, I don't want to do this today, you know? Like you, there, it's just about to be, and the doctor says, sorry, not an option. You can't rush childbirth. You can't sometimes often rush the work of God in your life. But the good news is you can't stop it. He's going to do it. The promise is sure. I wonder if here this morning in any place in your life, your heart has strayed into despair. Any place. I mean, nine-tenths of your life might be joy and, and expectation, but I wonder if, if any part of your life, your heart has strayed into despair. Let God lead you back to hope. Let him do that this morning. Let him do that through the Advent series. Let God lead your heart back to hope. The Lord will never lead you to despair. I promise. If you're in despair, it is not God who has taken you there. And if you find yourself in despair, no condemnation, but you've got to lift your eyes up and say, God, where are you? Because you didn't lead me here. And the Lord is right there in your midst. No matter what the area of your life is, the Lord's right there, never leading us to despair, but delivering us from despair. If you're in despair, you're out of truth. If you're in despair, you're out of truth. And so you... God's given you the Holy Spirit, friends around you, an empowered will, and the Word of God. 
If you're in despair, you're out of truth. Go back to the Word. Go back to what God's told you. Go, go back to your friends and say, Friends, what did God tell me about me? Because I forgot. Go back to the Scripture and soak yourself in truth. Go through the Gospel of John this, uh, this Advent season. Read through John and just see hope. Just see peace. Just see joy. Just see love in the, in the life of Jesus. And let God lead you from despair back into truth. That's the foundation of our lives. Hope was the gift given us at salvation. It's our birthright. Okay? You know, you know when you have a birthright? Do you know what that means? No one can take it from you. No one can tell me I am not my father's son. No one. Hope is your birthright. It belongs to you. No one can ever take it away from you. You hold on to that. You can live from hope or not. The choice is yours. One of my sons back there. Hi, Johnny. Uh, my sons went to the same junior high, at least at one point, and there was a junior high principal. I know I've told this a thousand times. Still good. There was a junior high principal who at the end of the announcements would always say, have a good day or not. The choice is yours. And the kids are going, ah, it's cheesy. You know what? They still remember. Have a good day or not. The choice is yours. You have hope. Whether you live in hope is your choice. Whether you look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your salvation, your faith, or you look down and in to your own devices or what the enemy is saying in your life, or even to your circumstances, right? Which sometimes will lead you to despair. But you can choose. You can choose where you set your eyes. And I say choose and send back to hope. It, uh, it's not an Advent story in the Bible, Daniel chapter 3. I realize that. But it was in my reading, uh, my lectionary reading in the last couple of weeks. And so this story from Daniel chapter 3, I think, is a great picture of hope. I'll just give you the short version. Many of you know it, but some of you don't. Jan Daniel chapter 3. Daniel's friend, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or some say, Tabedjigo. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I just had to lighten things up a little bit. Daniel's friends are faithful to God. They're in the captivity in Babylon. They're Israelites who belong to the one true God, and they're serving a foreign king. And God's giving them spiritual wisdom. But there are some uh, religious things at play, some spiritual things at play. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonian king, is asking all of his people to bow down and worship an idol. And Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, will not worship the idols. And because they won't worship the idols, they are brought into the king's presence. A furnace is, is made hot with fire, a furnace so hot that the people who open the door of the furnace are consumed. That's what the Bible says. They're consumed. And because the, uh, Daniel's friends will not bow to the idol they are going to be thrown into the furnace. And I think this is such a great statement of hope. This is what the friends say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Back. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Basically, we don't have to talk to you about who we're going to worship. If this be so, 
That is, if you're going to send us into the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Do you hear that? Is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. Do you hear that faith? Out of your hand, O king. Now here's hope. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I just love it. I mean, this is not a lack of faith. This is uh, irresistible faith. This is hope that's just burning inside them. He says, they say to the king, our God can deliver us. And you know what? Our God will deliver us from your hands. In other words, you, king, do not have eternal control over our destinies. We get to say that to the enemy. You, enemy, do not have eternal control over our destinies. But even if God doesn't, there is no way we're going to bow down and worship this idol. I think this is a picture of hope for us. You know, you're, you're standing in a place in your life, and there is such a temptation to bow to the culture, to bow to the easy, to bow to the lack of integrity, to bow to whatever it is that's coming as a temptation in your life. And I think we can stand in the midst of it. And I don't recommend you talk to the devil, so we'll just make the assertions. God, you are able to deliver me. And God, you will deliver me. Because these circumstances, this problem, this quandary in my mind, does not have eternal control over my destiny. But God, even if you don't deliver me, in this time, I will not bow to that idol. You know, they're making, they're making an eternal declaration. They're not living in the moment. They're not thinking, man, that's going to hurt when we get in there. They're thinking, it doesn't matter what God does. We are not bowing to this. You know the end of the story. They toss them in. This gives me chills. They toss them in. Meanwhile, the people sending them into the furnace burn to death. Smell of flesh. That's, that's what was present. And when the king looks in at the furnace, he's like, jeepers, or something like that. In Babylonian, he's like, oh. He says, there were three people thrown in, but I see a fourth. And they're walking around, and the fourth is like a son of God. Jesus was in the fire with them. Then they, of course, get delivered, so much so that there wasn't even the smell of smoke on their garments. Again, that's the truth. I just love it. I mean, what hope? There was no fear in their declaration that we will not bow to despair. So stand on truth. God's action in our lives may be utterly unpredictable. Got that? God's action in your life, you're looking, you may be like, God, I don't know what you're doing here. His actions in our lives might be totally unpredictable, but his character will never change. The character of God towards you in the midst of your circumstances will never change. The character of God is what gives weight to the anchor of our souls. It's the character of God that brings the weight to the anchor of our souls. Hebrews chapter 6 the writer to the Hebrews, we don't know who it was, Paul or David Bradbury, somebody. 
so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. When you think about situations in your life that are pushing you towards despair, I want you to imagine your soul like the realest part of you where the Spirit of God touches your physical body. I want, to, I want you to imagine your soul as just an anchor. And, the, and it's, it's an anchor of hope. And what gives that anchor weight is the character of God. It's not what you hope God will do. It's not what you think God will do. It's not what God did in someone else's life. It's his character towards you. It's his goodness. It's his love. It's his mercy. That's what our hope is based upon. Not our grand ideas, or let's you know, just say it to a charismatic church, not even our prophetic words. Our hope is not upon our prophetic words, but the one who gave the word and will never despise the word. That's where our hope is. He's the anchor of our souls. If you don't know God, you can't know hope. So if you're here this morning and you've never met Jesus as the Son of God, I want to introduce you to him this morning. I want, you, I want to talk to you after the service and introduce you to the one who gives hope. But if you know God, you cannot be severed from hope. It's impossible. Hope is eternal and it's internal. It's powerful and it's transformational. And hope is transferable. You know how sometimes you get little coupons and it says non-transferable? Hope is transferable. What that means is if you have hope in Jesus, however strong you might feel about it, if you have hope, you're a dispenser of hope. If it's in you, it's meant to go through you. That's, that's just the joy of Advent. Is we, we walk around with this hope, with this knowledge, this certain certainty that God's going to act on our behalf, that what he placed in there is growing larger by the day and eventually we'll see what he's done in us. It'll, it will be visible. It will come out. But in the meantime, we get to walk around like pregnant women. I don't mean that like that. You can waddle, I guess, if you want. But I mean, we get to walk around the earth like pregnant women with just this certainty, you know, it's there. God did it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but something's happening. Something's happening. I feel it. There's a kick, right? Be attentive to the work of God in your life. You're being enlarged like Mary in the waiting. Not my experience, but I have seen a woman give birth to three children. Some of your clothes you used to wear won't fit you anymore. What in the world is he talking about? As God plants something in you and you begin to grow into it, you're not going to walk the same way you walked before. You're going to walk differently. The clothes, that is your, your manner, it's going to change because you're carrying hope, right? You're going to look different and people are going to say, that looks funny. And you're going to say, yeah, God's doing something in me. 
And it's, 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 I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it's going to be awesome. Because it's the fruit of God in my life. When you're pregnant, it's not life as usual. Something is happening inside you and you can't control it. But you can be attentive. Romans 12.2, Paul says, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Wait patiently. Rejoice. It's certainly happening in you. You're in a new reality when hope is certain within you. Keep praying. Keep your eyes up and out. Trust in the slow work of God. Like I said, last week and the week before, those were now words, all right? Take action on those. Those are things that God has put in front of you that he said, with my power, you can do it. There are some things in our lives that are just based on hope, and we can't make them happen. But we can trust in the slow work of God in our lives. We can trust that what God has uh, placed within us is growing and enlarging us in the waiting. So I just pray for us as a church this morning that we will be expectant, that we'll be enlarged in the waiting during Advent, that, that not one of us will give in to despair, that each of us will say, but God, you can do this, and God, you will do this, but God, even if you don't, I will never succumb to despair. I will never worship what everyone else in this world worships because I have an eternal hope. Let's pray. Lynn, will you come forward and play for us? And I'd like to ask the ministry team, Jeff, can you come forward? The ministry team to come forward. Anyone else on the ministry team, come on forward. Before I pray, I, I, was, I want to give you a, a, an invitation. I, I just feel very confident this morning that the Lord spoke to you. I don't care if it was my word or the scripture, but God spoke to you. Something touched you. And there's a response required. This morning, I don't care where you go with your response. I don't care if you come forward. But I want you to respond to God. God has placed here, He's deposited His Holy Spirit in you. In Romans 5, it says, The hope placed in you does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. So each and every one here who knows Jesus has it. What's God saying to you this morning? Where is God calling you back to just hold on to the anchor of your soul, hope? Let me pray, and then if there are any specific words from the team, you can give those. Lord, thank you that you're present here and you're speaking. The Spirit of God is here. 